Welcome to the Flatline with your host, Rick Hughes. For the next 30 minutes, you'll be inspired, motivated, educated, but never manipulated. Now, your host, Rick Hughes. Good morning, and welcome to the Flatline. I'm your host, Rick Hughes. And for the next 30 minutes, I'd like to invite you to stay with me. It's going to be 30 minutes of motivation, a little bit of inspiration, a whole lot of education. And you know the drill, no manipulation. That's right, no hidden agendas, no con games, no trying to sell you anything, no trying to hustle anything out of you or get you to do anything. No hoops for you to jump through. Just 30 minutes of accurate information. All designed for one reason only, to verify and identify God's plan for your life. And if I'm able to do that, then you have the freedom and the privacy to orient and adjust to the plan. That's up to you. But the Flatline plays every Sunday on your radio station there in your city. And what a great honor it is for me to bring you this show. What a great honor it is for me to see the way the Lord has provided the needs to broadcast. And so thank you for giving me a few moments of your time. Today, I want to remind you of a couple of things and dive into a new subject. I hope you listened last week to the interview with Mark Sigmund, the young man who is a graduate of Texas A&M University who headed off to Quantico, Virginia to pursue his career as an officer in the United States Marine Corps. What a great interview that was with a clear-thinking young man. And I hope you've heard our messages on passing the baton. I think we did six messages on that, and I hope that that was good for you. I hope you enjoyed that. By the way, you can always access any of these messages, should you ever desire to uh, hear any of the radio shows again. We can make them available on an MP3 disc for you. All you have to do is write to us at the website. Go to the website, rickhughesministries.org. If you go there and you request any of these radio shows, we can make them available on an MP3 disc. Also, we can make available other messages that we've given in high schools, talking to students. We have available DVDs and MP3s of messages that we've given in local churches around the country. So any of this information you'd like to have, as well as any of our books, such as Christian Problem Solving, which deals with the 10 Problem Solving Devices, our Crash Course in Basic Christianity, or Practicing Your Christianity, or Understanding Your Soul, or even our latest book, A Divine Pardon. These are all available free of charge. All you have to do is contact us, give us a name and an address, and tell us what you like, and we'll get it out to you just as soon as possible. Remember the flight line is a military analogy. It's using a military analogy to describe how we live the Christian life. And as I've told you, it's not unusual. Paul used military analogies all the time, especially in Ephesians 6, 1 and 2, uh, actually 6, 11, where he tells us to put on the armor of God. So we're talking about a military analogy of establishing a main line of resistance inside of your soul called a flat line. And that main line of resistance is built up of 10 unique problem-solving devices found in the Word of God. This is nothing new. These are age-old biblical doctrines. It's just a new way to express them for you. When you learn these 10 problem-solving devices 
and you use them, or as we say, you deploy them into the frontward thinking of your soul. In other words, you have to begin to think divine viewpoint. You begin to think in terms of eternity. You begin to do what Romans 12, 3 says. Stop thinking in terms of arrogance, but think in terms of humility, as God has assigned to each one of us a standard of thinking from his word. So as you learn the word of God and apply the word of God into your life, you get these 10 unique problem-solving devices, and you can begin to intercept the adversity that comes into your life on a daily basis and stop it before it ever becomes stress. What adversity will do if you don't intercept it is it will overrun the command post of your soul and adversity will be converted into stress where you will worry, you will be afraid, you will be bitter, you'll be angry, you'll be guilty. Any one of many mental attitude sins that comes as a result of unfair circumstances that you endure or you face in your life every day. You do not have to live like that. You never have to react to unfair circumstances. You may see your children go through unfair circumstances. You are not authorized to get bitter, to get angry, or to react, or to try to get involved and straighten everyone else out. And yet, Sometimes that's what a lot of Christians want to do. They don't think. They don't use their mind. They don't think. They just get emotional because it's their child that something's happened to. And it may be a grown child or it's, it's something else, a business or a friend. We don't think. Remember the Bible says, let this mind be in you. It was also in Christ Jesus. If you can't think, you cannot use those 10 problem-solving devices. If you're not even going to want to learn them because you, you think you got a better deal, you can handle it your own way. The problem is that your own thinking will lead to self-destruction. Your own thinking will lead to frustration and bitterness in the end because you would not take time to learn God's plan. Why do you think the Lord Jesus Christ demonstrated all of this for you. Why do you think he became a man, lived in a male's body, became a man just like you, a human? He demonstrated to you how it's possible to live in the devil's world and not react to that. He demonstrated that to you. And if you do what he did, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus, if you put on the, shall we say, the template of God that cuts you into his image in where Jesus said, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, the yoke is the template. It cuts us into the image of Christ. Then we can operate in the devil's world without stress. We cannot operate without adversity. That's impossible. We will suffer from our own bad decisions or from testing that we endure, as 1 Corinthians 10 says, God allows us to be tested to refine us. But there's no reason why you should ever be defeated. There's no reason in this world why you should ever be frustrated, angry, bitter. There's no reason why you should ever live full of guilt. These are all emotional, mental attitude sins, and they are not from God, I assure you. The Christian life tells you how to handle that. 
And the first thing you should remember is the doctrine of rebound, how to handle your sin, how to handle your failure. Because if you don't learn how to handle that, then you're never going to advance in the Christian life. You must learn that you have a sin nature and that as a resident human in the devil's world, your sin nature will tempt you and test you and that Satan knows the weakness of your flesh. He knows exactly what buttons to push in your life to set you off. And if the right buttons are pushed, and if your volition does not override the temptation, then you will sin. You will get into mental attitude sin, you will get into sins of the tongue, and then you will find yourself into physical sin. It always happens that way. Because we don't override the temptation. All we got to do is push the no button. That's all we have to do. Just hit the no button. But the circumstances happen, and we get caught off guard, and we're mad, or we're angry, or we're incited, or we're tempted, and the no button is nowhere to be found. And along we go with the lust of the flesh. So rebound is very critical because when you sin and fail, like I'm talking about, you can recover. The Bible says if we confess our sin to God, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to purify us from all of our wrongdoing. This is the secret to living the Christian life. You cannot maintain fellowship with God if you have unconfessed sin in your life. And the reason is that it quenches the Holy Spirit as per the Word of God, and it grieves the Holy Spirit as per the Word of God. So you must learn to let the Holy Spirit control your life. And the reason is the Christian life is a supernatural life. The Christian life is only entered by supernatural experience. When we receive Christ as our Savior, <clears throat> excuse me, when we receive Christ as our Savior, that's a wonderful gift from God. It's not a physical act. It's a gift from God. It's a supernatural life called being born again. And it requires a supernatural power to live it. And that's where the Lord Jesus Christ said, I'm going to send my Holy Spirit. And he, he will tutor you. He will guide you. He will comfort you. And he will be your mentor. That's clear to us. So remember that as we go through these things. You, you can't learn and apply the Word of God in the energy of your flesh. And rebound is critical for every Christian. That doesn't mean you won't do it again, but it does mean that all you have to do is name it to God, and he will cleanse you from it. It doesn't mean you have to make it up to God. It doesn't mean you have to promise to God you'll never do it again. It doesn't mean you have to go confess it to some person and put money in the offering plate to purchase forgiveness. It's not the way the Bible teaches, and that's not the way God works. It's a free gift. When you sin as a child of God, simply tell God what you did. If you don't, if you hide it, then you're like a child that hides what they did, and warning discipline comes, and then intense discipline comes, and maybe even dying discipline. Are you a member of the body of Christ? Are you? I didn't say, do you belong to a church? That's not what I said. 
I said, are you a member of the body of Christ? See, if that's true, then, then these things that we're talking about are really relevant to you. Because as a member of the body of Christ, these are the unique assets that our Lord Jesus Christ passed on to you. You can use these things. Now, he never rebounded because he never sinned. But he did use the filling of the Holy Spirit. He did use the faith rest drill. He did use grace orientation. He did use biblical orientation. He did have a personal sense of destiny. He did have personal love for God and impersonal love for others. And he did have plus H, or the happiness of God in his life. But he did not have to be occupied with Christ because he was Christ. So two of the ten he didn't need. He didn't need to rebound, and he did not need to occupy with Christ. We must do that. Eight of them he used, and he demonstrated, and he showed us how we could live in the devil's world doing the same thing. When we believe in Christ, any church-age believer, we are in the church age. We're not in the kingdom age. That hasn't happened. That was put off when the Jews rejected Christ. It was put off until he comes back and establishes a millennial kingdom. We're in the mystery time, the mystery of the church, the church age doctrine. And any believer in Jesus Christ, whether you're in California or whether you're in New York, whether you're in Texas or Alabama, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you are the member of the body of Christ. Listen to Ephesians 1.22. And he has put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So what is the body of Christ? It's the church. And what is the church? It's you and me, individual believers in Jesus Christ. We make up the church or the body of Christ. Now there's the universal church made up of believers, and there's the local church in your community, and that's a different thing. One of them is a living organism. The other one is a local institution or a local organization. So take the word organism and organization and compare them. Your local church is a local organization, but the body of Christ is a living organism. You see, the Holy Spirit baptizes us into the body of Christ the moment we believe in Jesus as our Savior. The Bible is clear, whosoever should call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And then in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, for by means of one spirit are we all baptized into one body. Now, a lot of people will try to tell you without water baptism, you will not be saved. That's what people will tell you. Certain local organizations, local churches will tell you without water baptism, you cannot be saved. That is not what the Bible teaches. What the Bible teaches, here's what Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to all who believe it, to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. It's Romans 1, 16 and 17. 
Then go to 1 Corinthians 1 and hear him say this, God did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, and not with the wisdom of words, lest the gospel of Christ be made of none effect. And he said, I'm thankful that I did not baptize any of you except Crispus and Gaius and the household of Stephanus. And he said, if there are any others, I don't remember. Paul the apostle did not practice baptism. The Gentiles who believed in Jesus Christ were saved by means of faith alone in Christ alone. Peter did practice baptism as identification. It identified believing Jews, those who had accepted Christ as their Savior. Same reason that John did it, identification. And our Lord was baptized to identify with the plan of God that he, in fact, was the Messiah. So if you have to be baptized to be saved, then you're not, you're not going to be a member of the body of Christ. That's an organizational, institutional rule, not the Bible. And there are people that would kill me over that. There are people that would go nuts over that. I mean, I've faced that, that for many years as I speak, and certain organizational institutions come up and say, you can't say that. You have to be baptized, they'll say, to be saved. And baptized in their church, not another church, in their church. Listen, when you believe in Jesus Christ, you are put into the body of Christ. It's called positional sanctification. Now, there are three stages of sanctification. Positional sanctification, experiential sanctification, and ultimate sanctification. Positional sanctification is you being, quote, in Christ. You're in Christ Jesus. You're in the body. You're in the universal church. Then experiential sanctification is you being set apart for God's use in time as you grow in grace, as you fulfill the mandates to grow in the grace and the knowledge of your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And then ultimate sanctification is when you go to heaven and you receive your resurrection body where there is no more tears, no more sorrow, no more pain. The old things are passed away. There is no sin nature corruption in heaven because the sin nature is left here on the earth in the grave. You in the resurrection body will not have a sin nature. Thus, the body of Christ is a living organism. It is not a local organization. You can be in a local organization called some church, the first church, or whatever you want to call it, but you may not be in the body of Christ or in the living organism of Christ's body. That's possible. It happens all the time. You see, without being in the body of Christ, there is no eternal life. And the body of Christ is not the local organization. The local organization is called organized religion. It may be a Baptist. It may be a Methodist. It may be a Presbyterian. It may be a Church of God, Church of Christ, Catholic, Lutheran, whatever. I can't name them all. And then, it, see, that gets you confused, and you say, well, who's the right one? Well, none of them are right if they tell you that in order to be saved, you have to join their church. You have to be a member of their denomination. And none of them are right if they tell you that in their denomination, in order for you to be a good Christian, here's a set of rules, and you have to follow these rules or you're not going to be a very good Christian. Most of the time, the rules are man-made. 
They don't even come out of the Bible. So if you're not in the body of Christ, you don't have eternal life. You want to hear that in the Bible? 1 John 5, 11 and 12. God has given to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has eternal life, and he who does not have the Son does not have eternal life. Eternal life is in Christ. Now, why do you have eternal life? Because you joined the church? No. Because you gave up drinking and smoking and started acting holy? No. Because you are in Christ. And how did you get in Christ? Well, for by means of one spirit are we all baptized into one body. What is the body? It's the universal church, the body of Christ. And how did I get baptized into that body? When I believed in Jesus Christ and received him as my Savior, I was placed into the body of Christ. So let's get some principles. One, eternal life is not earned by joining a local organization. Two, and by the way, before I proceed, a lot of times people do believe in Jesus Christ and make it public in a local organization. That's fine. That's wonderful. I'm not complaining about that. I'm telling you that you do not get saved by joining anything. Two, eternal life is not bestowed as a reward for obeying the tenets of a local organization. So if that local organization doesn't believe in uh, dancing, and thus you don't dance, and thus you think you're going to go to heaven because you don't dance, or let's even be more ridiculous, uh, they don't believe in eating bird seed. And so you don't eat bird seed, so you're going to heaven, right? That's crazy. Eternal life is not given as a reward for obeying the tenets of a local organization. Eternal life is given in Christ. And the Bible says, whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Here's another principle. Eternal life is a free gift from God to man by means of the work of Christ on the cross provided by the grace of God. He who knew no sin was made sin for us so that we may be made the righteousness of God through him. In eternity past, in the divine decree, it was God the Father himself that ordained and authorized this plan. And it was God the Son who fulfilled the plan. And it's God the Holy Spirit who carries that out today for us. Yes, Jesus Christ is our Lord, our Savior, the anointed Son of God. And it was he alone who purchased our salvation. So you must remember, we do not have to be a member of a local organization to be a member of the body of Christ. You can be a member of the body of Christ and never join any church. You can be a member of the body of Christ and never tell anybody publicly what you did. You think that's not true? Then read John 19 about the secret disciples who came and took the body of Christ and buried him after the crucifixion. Secret disciples, they had not told anyone they had believed in Christ for fear 
of retribution and persecution. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, a local church is a great place for you to grow up spiritually if you have a qualified pastor. If you have a pastor that can actually teach you the Word of God, not three points in a poem on Sunday, ten minutes and you're out of there, but a pastor who can dig in and teach it to you. I mean, a local church is designed by God for to be the classroom. He gave men the gift, qualified men, the gift of pastor-teacher. Poimen kai didaskalos in the Greek New Testament of Ephesians 4. That's what we call an hendites in the Greek. It's only one definite article in that passage. The pastor-teacher, not the pastor and the teacher, that would be two people. It's one man, according to the Granville Sharp Rue of Greek interpretation. It's one man. He has the gift. And his job is to study and teach the Bible to you, to make you a well-qualified believer. But if you don't have that, if you don't have a face-to-face pastor that does that, there are other means available. It just takes enough courage for you to say no to organized religion. For you to say no, I know people that have lived in small towns and been under the, uh, the instruction of organized religion for years and never had the courage to say no, I don't buy this. If you have the courage to say no to organized religion, especially if all your friends are involved and are wonder why you're not there, and if you're going there for business contacts and you don't show up, obviously you're not going to get many contacts, are you? Organized religion is the bird in the tree of Matthew 13, 32. Listen to this. This is the parable of the mustard seed that our Lord taught in Matthew 13, 31. He said, Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed which a man took and sowed in his field, which indeed is the least of all seeds, but when it grows... It is the greatest among the herbs and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and lodge in the branches of it. A tree. That's the body of Christ. That's the universal church. And the birds of the air that nest in the tree, that's the organized religion. They come and they nest in the body of Christ. And they bring their false doctrine with them. You know, there's a very famous tree at Auburn University called Tumor's Oak Trees. There were two of them, and they were killed by a man who hated Auburn, and he was a fanatical Alabama fan. And just recently, they had to cut those trees down. The tree of the local church, the body of Christ in a local institution, if it's being taught properly and if there's a well-qualified pastor there, can be destroyed by the poison of false doctrine. So we are responsible. We're responsible for our own spiritual maintenance. We're responsible to grow in grace. We're responsible to be vessels of honor, as per 2 Timothy 2, 20 and 21. We must grow up. We must become mature believers. We must be filled with the Spirit, and we must adhere to the protocol plan of God. There's a lot more to say and not enough time to say it today. I hope it's clicking. I hope you're listening, and I hope you'll come back. Until next week, this is Rick Hughes saying thank you for being with me today.
Thank you for listening to The Floodline with your host, Rick Hughes. If you'd like to contact Rick, please write to him at P.O. Box 100, Cropwell, Alabama, 35054, or online at www.rickhughesministries.org.